the 20 bedrooms am I supposed to crash in? My name is Matthew Kroll. And I am never not angry. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film, The Way Back. The Way Back, which is not the only film called The Way Back, by the way. There's there's The Way Back by Peter Weir, which I think came out in 2010, I want to say. Okay. Um, Daniel Craig Holocaust survival film kind of thing. Uh, then there was the way way back with Steve Carell. Did you see that? I didn't actually. The, that was the yeah. I think it was the the way way back with Steve Carell, which is where he. Uh, it's about a kid who works in a theme park, but it's not the other. It, you know, he works in a summer fun park or something like that, but not the other one that. Uh, um, uh, oh, what was there was another theme park movie that had Ryan Reynolds in it briefly. Oh, Adventureland. Uh, Adventureland. I love Adventureland. Adventureland yeah. is a great film. Yeah, it's not Adventureland. It was the way, way back with Steve Carell, which is a, which is an okay film. I haven't seen the Peter Weir movie, but I'm glad we're doing the Gavin O'Connor Ben Affleck vehicle, yes. which we voted for uh, on a Twitter poll. Can I uh, can I say something yeah. very quickly about our Twitter polls? Uh, audience, okay, go ahead. thank you so much for doing the hard work for us. <laughs> uh, I, I, I've, I'm really enjoying, especially because we, we, we can't leave. Um, yeah, uh, we're we are, stuck at home. Of course, uh, so, uh, self-distancing, quarantining ourselves. So we're streaming, uh, all the things we have to do with streaming, and apparently, uh, now Shahir and I own the film The Way Back on digital. It's an interesting period right now because obviously be- uh, theaters are shut down right now, which yes. is a situation that you just... Like the last movie we actually saw in the theaters, I think the last movie I saw in a the theater was The Invisible Man. Uh, the thought that no, no, it was First Cow. The last movie I saw in the theater was First Cow. Same. The thought that the that the entire movie industry one week later would be entirely transformed and in danger of being shut down never entered my mind uh, when when I was watching that movie. I was like cautious about the virus at that point, but I hadn't really thought about the economic implications of entire industries whose um, business model is based upon bringing people together. To sit close. Yeah. Yeah. Entirely just going away at the drop of a hat. Uh, that never entered my mind. It's crazy. I never even considered and, that as a possibility. And we uh, we got a lovely email last week uh, talking about that as well, like sort of talking about like how we thought the movie theater experience might... Um might be changing. We also talked about it on our streaming show on the on the extra credit side of things, extra breakfast. We actually talked about the whole thing, how we thought things would change. And I think Sheer, you and I really should really do a deep dive one of these uh one of these weeks. You know, with all yeah. our time. With all our time. Uh we do have a few listeners that I know are movie uh theater workers. Um I know a few of them have reached out to us already to to kind of uh, prompt questions or suggest that this might be an interesting episode. If you are a movie theater worker uh, or, or worked in a in a cinema and uh, have recently uh, had your entire uh, work life change, um, reach out to us. We're we're really interested in how that. Uh, you know how it's playing out. What you think is going to happen? Yeah. Uh, if any, you know these unusual tidbits about um, basically how you think distribution is going to change. Reach out to us. We we haven't got that episode specifically in the docket. We still have a long gestating episode about violence in cinema that we're planning to do. We still have a long gestating episode about uh, the Cornetto trilogy, which we still have to do. These things will all happen eventually. Maybe after the virus has has gone, uh, come and gone, or either that we're wiped out. Uh, whatever. All right. It's, First of all, I think be. you're giving us. Uh, I think the, the the time period of this, if we don't get at least the Cornetto trilogy done before we're out of quarantine, there is a problem. Well, uh, the Cornetto trilogy was requested over two years ago. I FYI. understand on Facebook <laughs> so, of all places. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, if we get the, I'm hoping we get that one out. I hope if, we get to write just, back to them two years later and be like, hey, 
we finally did it. It took Actually, a global pandemic, <laughs> but here we are. To be honest with you, you suggested a while back that we do the Lord of the Rings Extended Edition trilogy, which I actually would love to do because I have, you know, some, I think some unique insight into the productions of that industry. Wait, hold on. Uh, of those I, films. I, wait, you, you have some connection to New Zealand? Is that what I'm hearing? Just, just, I mean, you know, by and by, uh, I am a New Zealander and we are all part Hobbit. So, you know, uh, <laughs> I got that going for me. Actually, I probably here's the funny thing. I probably would have been cast. I was cast in the film as an extra for. Uh, I was one of the Army of the Dead. I think we've talked about that before. Yep. But I would probably be closer to Urukai. Is that what they call Urukai? Urukai. I would probably be closer to Urukai than a no, not than like Jamiroquai. Urukai. <laughs> Urukai. I should know these things. But, I don't. But here's the deal, um, Shahir. Listen, yeah. I can't. Uh, I can't carry the burden of you watching all three extended edition Lord of the Rings. But I can carry you, Mr. Dowd. <laughs> is this uh wait, is this the furthest we've ever been from no, home? It, well, listen, this is the furthest all, we've all ever I'm been. Saying is this. And, and and seriously, write us in onlymoviepodcast gmail.com or onlymoviepod on Twitter. I've already in quarantine watched all three extended Lord of the Rings movies. So I did my homework already. <laughs> if if you really want this, we can pressure Shahir and we can get this done. I I do actually really want to do that, but I just, I have not had, like, basically the only spare time I have in my life right now is devoted to the podcast, and it was seeing the movie last night and doing the podcast. So that is the only three hours in a week that I have spare right now. Uh, So I would love to do Lord of the Rings Extended Edition, especially since I have not revisited those films and seeing them in a theater. Um... And and I have the extended edition on Blu-ray. I bought them many years ago, and I've never cracked them open. So I think this is the perfect time to crack them open. Um, but it may take me a little. It may take me a minute to get to them. Sure, I, 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 I don't even have them on Blu-ray. I watched them on old DVD. DVD. Now I love these DVDs. I think the this package of DVDs and Blu-rays, uh, the 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 behind-the-scene production diaries that these guys made is phenomenal amongst the best you can ever see for any dvd so if you are uh still collecting physical media uh i'm ge- presuming you have the lord of the rings extended right. edition that seems um, like it would go hand in hand if you are actively yeah. collecting blu-rays you most yeah. likely have a copy of lord of the Rings. the uh the king kong um blu-ray is fantastic as well similar setup which is that it has these uh phenomenal production diaries anyway uh, we will uh, email us in, as Matt said, at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com, and we'll hopefully uh, figure out what we're going to do next. Uh, or tell us what we what we should do next uh, if I don't put up a Twitter poll for it. I wanted to shout out a couple of emails we got this week, few on Austin Powers, but one specifically, uh, a belated uh, shout-out to our review of um, uh, Bygone's film, Long Day's Journey in Tonight, which we did, like, uh, I can't remember, last year sometime? Yeah, oh, that's cool. All right. <laughs> Uh, so Cody writes in, after really reminiscing of the about the last shot of Lau in the night market in Long Day's Journey in Tonight, I really wanted to hear a discussion about the film. And search this title this morning. Your podcast still appears... <clears throat> Sorry, just straightening the tie here for a second. Just shuffling, getting myself together. Right. We appear to be the only one. So the name <laughs> is F. Sorry, I just had to like hand that one up. Uh, I was met with a fun discussion about a slow film, and that's what I'm emailing you about. Uh, thanks for emailing, Cody. I'm going to read your uh, uh, the uh, the following response here. I would argue 
that slow film in a pseudo, uh, is in a pseudosynthesis of what was argued by the host, made by, great by what the viewer brings. Maybe less in the viewer's mood itself, but more in what it has to be experienced by the viewer. For myself, I love slow cinema. Perhaps what you hear, I hope I'm spelling his name right, um, he did. referenced with anti-capitalism. It made me think about the traditional cost-benefit analysis, uh, and this is me uh, uh, adding here, uh, of watching a film. Uh, they're hard to ingest, uh, digest, but if they work for you, they work. Perhaps personal experience viewpoints plays a major role in how we consume feel about slow cinema. Regardless, I hope this makes sense. I am an essential employee running uh, on, on just a few hours of sleep. Finding the podcast was a joy, even if I do disagree and find long days, long days journey into night to be an immediate classic for me. I look forward to diving deeper into the podcast and hope this finds you both well. Oh, Thank you Cody. very much, Cody. Thank you very um, much. And thank you for your, like, look, we normally, res- I think the, the phrase, thank you for your service, uh, uh, was often used for military, uh, for military personnel. But I think uh, it is fair to say we should extend that to all essential services, people who are delivering things to us, people who are working in hospitals, people who are keeping uh, supermarkets open, drugstores, etc. Oh, yeah, all that sort of stuff. Keeping uh, the lights we, on. No, seriously, Cody, thank on. you very much. It really means a lot. Uh, we don't know what you do, Cody, but uh, again, thank you for your service. Um, and uh, you know, like this, this movie is not is not one I've revisited. But the topic of slow cinema did come up in our uh, review of uh, First Cow with Kelly Reichardt, mm-hmm. whose uh, films are kind of fall into that category as well. Um, in the email, Cody mentioned uh, talking uh, a Bela film, a Hungarian filmmaker, uh, and his film The Tour and Horse. I have long uh, championed the idea that we should at least try to do the film Seth and Tango, which is seven and a half hours long uh, by Bellatar. We should try to do that in one sitting and see if we can get that done. It was playing in the at the film forum recently, and I was going to go, uh, but couldn't quite make the, the make the uh, trip down there. Oh, wow! Um, but but Cody talks about uh, there's a scene in the tour and horse where uh, there, there's many scenes of just a character eating potatoes for long periods of time, and to this point about uh, the the point of view that you bring to the film, I have to be honest with you right now. I am so busy and so uh, kind of stressed out with work and what have you. The idea of watching a person eating potatoes sounds delightful. Like I actually kind of like the idea of doing something where I'm just relaxed. Straight up. And, Here, I'm, and I, I'm, I, I'm, you know. Yeah, I yeah, know I ahead. talked about this last um, last week, I think. But, you know, the two games I have right now are both Doom Eternal and Animal Crossing. I've played maybe an hour of Doom Eternal, maybe. It's a great game. Right. But I literally am finding solace in the mundanity of, like, starting a little island town. And, like, today I picked fruit for a bit and, like, <sighs> delivering it to a capitalist raccoon to get paid. Like, I, I, it, it's so calming and just yeah. nice. Like, it's different, of course, than slow cinema, but it's still slow. Med- it's a slow, slow burn. So yeah. I think we could all use, weirdly... In a world that seems to be running off the rails, uh, a little bit of slowness. I think it's interesting in terms of you and I as well. We live in New York City, which is this like a a city where it's all about pace. You know how quickly you can get. To, you know you're always under time pressure. Yep. And so I think I find my patience to be tested many times. But now uh, I'm really looking forward to a period where I could have just a couple of nights. To do nothing. I'm looking forward watch. to a time when I can go outside again. Oh, you haven't been going outside? No. Really? <laughs> oh, come on. You no, go that's outside. not true. I walk, I walk to Jamie's house. That's pretty much it. Um, okay. 
Uh, and eventually I'll have to go to a grocery store. <laughs> eventually we will need some toilet paper. Yeah. Um, speaking of toilet paper, we've got another email about Austin Powers. Okay. That's not nice. Uh, this is from Steve. Steve writes, you guys had some great insights on this one. I had watched it within a year, and probably I can still quote almost every word from it. It's crazy. While I'd love to see another Austin Powers, I don't want to see it rehashing the same things they did back then. It won't work. However, if Mike Myers made it a drama about Austin thrown into 2020, or perhaps a new character going from 2020 back into the 90s, where Austin still lives, that could be really interesting. Austin is starting to feel he's being so progressive and accepting of others, while still being a man in the 90s. But then a spy from the 2020s comes back to inform him how much has changed since the 90s. I'm half thinking this idea through, but there definitely could be another fish out of water story there. I was in middle school when this came out, so it was definitely part of my formulative years. Loved your review and keep on doing some old favorites. Thank you very much, Steve. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, uh, we've been uh, a lot of interesting responses on Twitter as well about uh, Austin Powers right now. Um, I, I guess, you know, that conversation about uh, nostalgia that you brought up with it is, is really playing because I think it is one of those films that you really have fond of memories of watching. Yeah. But when you revisit it, you're like, mm, I don't know, maybe. Maybe I shouldn't. Not, 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 I, I was on the other side of this, which is that not that you shouldn't have a good time with this movie, but like, there's things to consider in how this movie works, and I don't think it works in a 2020 setting. Again, I, I go back to it is uh, it is morally neutral, and if you don't have a history with it, I don't know if it's worth your time. <laughs> but if you do have a history with it, holy hell, like, yeah, go for it. Well, I believe Jacob that- had never seen the film before and wrote us in, no! which I was really excited about. Uh, and Jacob said, I honestly think the conceit didn't work for me. The idea of bringing outdated ideals to a modern day, late 90s uh, era and then riffing on them seems pretty cool. But I think the attitude of the late 90s towards female characters just makes it too jarring to be able to enjoy it on its own terms. Uh, as a time capsule of attitude, it's certainly interesting, though. I didn't get the impression of a criticizing. Uh, I didn't get the impression that uh, the film was criticizing any of the misogyny of Austin Powers. Uh, the film seemed instead to be wallowing in it in a nostalgic way, as characters sighed and smiled and accepted whatever lovable, harmless things Austin wanted to do. Some jokes, of course, landed, and Doctor Evil was often enjoyable, but overall, most didn't land. And I even think the idea of repeating a joke until it's funny is more of a non-creative crutch, or perhaps a preference at comedy at that time, than something that this film does well. So even the thing that I kind of liked about the movie, I don't think really landed for Jacob, and I think that's fair. Yeah, listen, it's, it, this is exactly into, into what I was saying. I'm so glad, Jacob, you wrote us in, because I just I wanted to hear from somebody who watched it for the first time, and, and even... This is weird to say. Even though I don't think that people outside of it should really will, will get a lot out of it, I'm still part of me is still very happy that you watched. It. <laughs> <laughs> Not only for the for the discussion, the confirmation, or whatever, but like I don't know, I I don't know. There's there's a weird like <laughs> version of it that really I don't know. Thank you, Jacob. I appreciate it. Thank you to everyone who emailed us in. Please uh, do keep emailing us in, tweeting at us, uh, however you like to get in touch with us, uh, at OnlyMoviePod on Twitter and uh, OnlyMoviePodcast at gmail.com. Now, we are taking another trip uh, way back. Way back. Uh, way back. Now, this is not just uh, the title that's referencing, but it's also the other film that I thought about a lot as I was watching this was our review of Alma Harrell's film a couple of weeks ago of Honey Boy because of the way in which The Way Back, a film uh, directed by Gavin O'Connor, tends to reflect the star 
the inner life of the star within it. Sure. Um, and I think Ben Affleck's uh, role in this film is an interesting one uh, as a mirror to his real life. Matt, do you want to tell us a little bit about what The Way Back is about? Sure. IMDb says, Jack Cunningham was a high school basketball phenom who walked away from the game, forfeiting his future. All right. Uh, later, <laughs> Years later, when he reluctantly accepts a coaching job at his alma mater, he may get one last shot, get it, at redemption. But up bum but um bum bum So... I look. I, I will be straight up with you. One of my favorite films in the last ten years was Gavin O'Connor's previous, uh, not his previous film. We've actually reviewed. A, well, I didn't review it, but you've reviewed a Gavin O'Connor film on the podcast uh, uh, as recently as last year. Was it? Um, you did the Accountant. Yes. That, is that the one episode you haven't? No. There's a, there's a few. No. There's there's a few episodes I haven't turned up to. Um, uh, but I did see the Accountant last. Oh, but he uh, didn't direct that. He produced it. No, Gavin O'Connor directed it. Did he? Yeah, let's uh, let's. Uh, I'm let's, looking uh, it up right now. Let's quick Google it. Quick Google it. Let's see if we can get this right. Uh, oh, he did. Uh, he did. I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Gavin O'Connor directed that, uh, and I, but I personally, absolutely, 100% fell in love with his previous film, Warrior. That is a movie that uh, made me shed many tears at the movie theater, like loudly sobbing, and has done the same thing every uh, every time I've watched it. I mean, also, uh, this man knows sports movies, right? I mean, oh, yeah, Miracle. miracle like, yeah, yeah. come on. The, the, the guy knows how to make a sports movie. Uh, and in a way, the thing about Warrior is Warrior is every cliche of every sport movie kind of slammed into one. But what makes it work is the sincerity with which he tells that story. Uh, it is the, I, I don't think I don't think there's a false note in Warrior and the ending of the film itself, uh, I think, is magnificent. Um, but uh, actually, Liam uh, Billingham from the Uvru Busters podcast uh, vehemently disagrees with me about that uh, on Twitter. So uh, we'll have to see uh, if I'm just uh, bringing my own nostalgic bias to just a few years ago. <laughs> on that. Uh, the Accountant was a film, I got to admit, was a very, very un- strange movie. It was a it was a movie that seemed like it wanted to be uh, a franchise, perhaps, but was so unusual. Such a strange storyline about an autistic accountant who also happens to be essentially a super spy, um, played by Ben Affleck. Um, yep, was a that's what it was. A I've... bizarre mishmash of tones uh, that I just I don't think was particularly uh, well, like, it's not a terrible movie to watch, but it's sort of ill-conceived somewhere in the initial stage. I have not thought about it since we spoke about it, since Steve Buja from uh, Oscar Watch Pod and I spoke about it. Okay, so I, I actually have not listened to your review of it, so you don't recall whether you liked it or not. I remember not disliking it because I, I right. do tend to remember that, uh, right. and it, it, there, there were definitely problems, especially with you know, it, it, from what I can recall, it it rode that that mental illness slash gifted line real hard. That one that's like pretty much inappropriate. Yeah. Um, but uh, again, I haven't seen it in quite a bit, so I don't want to speak no, too much. It's about a movie. It. I think generally people will only watch once if they if they watch it. I did uh, not have a. I did not dislike my time watching it, but that's not a a great 
uh, it's not a glowing recommendation. No. Of course, I, it's not a movie I highly recommend, but it's, it's it's actually it's a movie I recommend because of its oddity. It's such a strange movie to watch. It's such a there's nothing quite like it. it that's not to say it works at all. Um, but I I think you know like I will be very honest here, which is that I have been fascinated by the career of one Benjamin Affleck since uh, his breakthrough in uh, Goodwill Hunting, which is of course the uh, you know the the I think for anyone who was growing up in that particular period, uh, and you know I was at film school at the time, uh, seeing those two young men, uh, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, get up on stage and win an Oscar was kind of an awe inspiring moment, um, and and I think you know ever since. Since then, I have been, you know, like like all of us, these two people have become household names and tracking their careers and especially the way in which their careers have diverged has been really interesting. The um, the Big Picture podcast uh, uh, recently did a sort of retrospective about Ben Affleck where they kind of went talked through the different stages of his career and in many ways how it's diverged from Matt Damon's, um, but but essentially the ups and downs of Ben Affleck's career and the, the numerous comebacks he has had. Listen, Matt Damon. Damon was the bomb in Phantoms, yo. He was the bomb in Phantoms. No, Ben Affleck was the bomb in Phantoms. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the Jay and Silent Bob joke. Ah, I messed it up. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, how do you feel about... See, so the thing to me is Ben Affleck to me is... I, I, I guess I, I'm not exactly sure why I'm so interested in him more than Matt Damon. I think I think I've always found Ben Affleck to be perhaps, in a, in a weird way, the 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 least likely movie star of the two I, but yet the most movie star of the two i mean it's so funny because the 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 two jokes you know that i just messed up is ben affleck was a bomb in phantoms uh yeah. from all the work he did with kevin smith and in jay and silent bob strike back the 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 matt damon thing that i that instantly comes to mind I'm like oh what's like a pop culture matt damon matt damon yeah matt damon, matt damon. like from uh, uh from uh Team South America, Park. World Police. Yeah, yeah, always, yeah, Team America. Yeah. Uh, fuck yeah! <laughs> um, and so I, I think, honestly, those two quotes from those two weird little comedies kind of wrap their careers up kind quite nicely. Okay, uh, so so for you, Matt uh, Matt Damon is Matt Damon. Well, Matt, and Damon ben a- Matt Damon doesn't have a. <clears throat> I'm trying to think of something where I've seen Matt Damon in it and been like, oh, my God, only Matt Damon could have played this thing. Not that he's the bad actor. By no means. He is a, he's a the very Bourne good trilogy? actor. The, the Bourne films? The, you know, The Martian? Again, Martian is probably the closest. The okay. Bourne films are good action movies that any physically fit good actor could play. Uh, there, there's, oh, not, there's not no, a lot of emotional range in Jason Bourne. So here's the thing about Matt Damon, which I think plays off into Jason Bourne, which is that Matt Damon's persona, which I think carries over from Goodwill Hunting, is that he is the smartest person in the room who doesn't reveal his cards. And that's what Jason Bourne is. So I think there's a there's a there's a quality that Matt Damon brings to that. Like you can only you know you can look to the fact that uh, Jeremy Renner did the the Bourne uh, was it the Bourne Legacy? Yeah. And didn't have the same kind you know like All does right. not let's have not, the same let's not persona. Put, let's not put. Jeremy Renner is headlining a, a, an action franchise that has been headlined by a different person for four movies. Of course, that's going to fail. Uh, Doesn't necessarily have to fail. It's, it's, just, it's sure. very different. I, I, I also, I'm, I, you look, the Bourne movies are fine, 
but they might as well be called Plot Armor the Movie. Like, Jason Bourne is never a character where I'm like, ooh, I'm so impressed with Jason Bourne. Like, the plots really? just sort of move around him. Huh, that's really interesting, because that's, that's actually what I find most compelling about the Bourne films, is that I think he's a really interesting character. Ah, he's I don't a, know. He's a character, you know, like, he's, he's, he's an amnesiac who has basically these uh, abilities like this there's a, there's a scene in the first one where he's sitting down and he's telling he's describing everything that he could use in a weapon in a in a bar uh, in, in a restaurant or something like a, that and it's and he's terrified of the fact that he knows how to do these things but the abilities are so nebulous it's all it's all plot armor it's all like and jason Bourne could do this because of course jason Bourne could do this. he didn't know he could but he can and you're like okay ah. I think that's another franchise we should uh, perhaps uh, vis- uh, revisit Again, at some I would point. love I not... to. I don't yeah, dislike yeah. them. I'm just saying the character doesn't interest me terribly. We have sidelined ourselves away from uh, Mr. Affleck. Let's find our um, way back. Let's find our way back. <laughs> you did it. You did it. I like it. I like it. Um, but Ben Affleck, like for me, again, uh, look, the three career high points of Ben Affleck as an actor for me. Batman. are. Not Batman oh, at all. I'm sorry. Yeah, not not in the slightest. Like Batman to me is, uh, you know, like obviously the sad Ben Affleck meme was the kind of thing that <laughs> that's the, that's the thing I ultimately remember about Batman, which is that I felt bad that he was in those films and he didn't seem like he was enjoying the fact that he was in those. He films. was a good Batman in terrible fucking movies. Oh, he was in terrible. Mo- I I can see the excitement about the idea of him doing the part, um, but I think ultimately. Those movies didn't serve him well, and they didn't serve what he can bring to a role, which is oddly uh, a little bit more surface than I think what Matt Damon can bring to a role. And the 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 performances that I think have really highlighted what where Ben Affleck is fantastic are Armageddon, where I think he's playing the swarmy, you know, cocky young guy uh, who has to basically um, kiss ass to Bruce Willis while at the same time try to prove that, you know, he's he can go out with his daughter kind of thing. It's a, it's a fun role. It's, it's a great breakthrough performance for Ben Affleck coming off of Good Will Hunting and finding his own sort of niche. And then the other one for me is Gone Girl. I think David Fincher yeah. knows how to use a leading man's smile as a weapon, as much as he's done with Brad Pitt, he does it as effectively with Affleck in Gone Girl. And I think what what Fincher does with Affleck in Gone Girl is reveal that the that the sort of boyish smile and the and the sort of uh, effortless charm that this person has in real life both covers up sort of uh, uh, demons lurking within. It. Uh, underneath and also can be weaponized against him really effectively. Like it reveal his smile in Gone Girl is the thing that is his downfall. And I think that's a that's a really clever play about what Ben Affleck can bring as an actor. Now, we haven't even talked about Ben Affleck, the director, which is a, a sort of a second act of his entire career. Yeah, I mean, listen, straight up. I, I Well, I was going to say, weirdly enough, even though this is part of the director stuff, uh, I was going to say Argo is one of my favorite Ben Affleck performances. Huh. Okay. Uh, I, a, he plays a. Is it Menendez? Is he play? He plays a. He plays a Hispanic character, right? Yeah. But the yeah. the. I don't know. I just. I. I really liked that movie a lot, and I think he did amazing in it. Uh, I'm trying to think of something else. Like, what's my favorite? What's my favorite Ben Affleck? Ma- uh, I mean, I. I. I what is it? Is it Jingle? Not. It's not. Uh, 
What's the Christmas reindeer spice movie games? with John, no. Fra- John Frankenheimer? Reindeer games. Uh, reindeer games, yeah. I mean... Uh, Geely! I, look, also... Oh, well, yeah, let's not talk about Geely right now, the most malali- maligned film of uh, all time. Here's the deal. You uh, know what? Chasing Amy. Chasing, Chasing Amy. Uh, I don't think Chasing Amy ages well. Um, doesn't age well, but I think he's great in it. Sure. Which is that? Which is that? I think when Affleck is best is when a film is working to undermine the qualities that makes him a movie star. Sure. Which is that you know, like his smile, his good looks, is just charm. Uh, I'll go with the the Daredevil film. Ah, okay. I actually think the director's cut of the Daredevil film was really, really entertaining. Uh, that was a movie that the theatrical release, in, release, in my opinion, died in the edit room. Right. Um. Which is so sad to sort of see. Um, and, and, of course, I really loved the Netflix Daredevil, uh, and I'm glad that existed. But I always thought that uh, Ben Affleck's Daredevil got a got a, uh, a bad bad shake. Yeah. I mean, just and in terms of finding franchises, let's not forget that he actually even played a young Jack Ryan at one point uh, in the Sum of All Fears movie. Oh, yeah. So, like, you know, like, he has, I think Affleck... Um, has really bounced around Hollywood and and has maintained a level of success. I mean, an extraordinary success. You know, like he is a two-time Oscar winner at this point. You know, like he's a person that can open a movie uh, and also direct a movie. Um, but, you know, recently uh, the stories have, you know, the, especially the press tour around this film, The Way Back, has centered around the fact that he has been struggling and yep. he has inner demons that he's been dealing with. And I think the thing that's really fascinating about Ben Affleck is the idea that he often the 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 his inner life his personal life plays out in the public you know like if we all remember Benifer and uh, you know like uh with uh when he um mar- you know was was dating Gen- um Jennifer um Jennifer Lopez you know like they were a very public person you know public couple like um, Brangelina yeah, they were. The, I think they were before Brangelina, right? Like they were the sure. the inception point, I think. And and uh, and then you know his his marriage to Jennifer Garner, and now you know, and then uh, now his kind of his uh, ultimately his divorce from his separation from Jennifer Garner and his alcoholism has played out in the public as well. So he he's either very you know in a way like that Gone Girl performance, he's either very good at understanding what his public persona is, sure, or he just happens to capture the spotlight in a way that I think very few people can do. I mean, I think it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Uh, I mean, when I saw the trailer for this film for the way back, I mean, it was pretty dang clear uh, what he was going for. And I, I, I think that's good. I mean, it's, it's kind of in the same vein a little bit as Honey Boy, right? Like, yeah, exactly. You're, you're, you're turning your pain uh, outward, your inner pain outward, and trying to show it a little bit uh, in a different way to... It's not as... It's not as on the nose as Honey Boy, of course, um, but pretty dang close. Oh yeah, it's. I I think uh, you know, the, the, uh, in terms of thinking about this uh, through through Affleck's career as well, the thing that I kept thinking about was uh, I think his character's name was Chucky in in Goodwill Hunting, and Goodwill Hunting and in, in Goodwill Hunting he has this monologue about uh, you know it's the the famous monologue, which is that uh, the the best part of my day is the ten seconds when I walk up to your door and I imagine that you're not there anymore. Mm-hmm. And I, this character in the way back, feels like Chucky grown up and living his <laughs> life out. You know, like completely. It feels like there's a real clear trajectory about not only Ben Affleck's career, but you know, like again, living out that personal uh, in the public sphere, um, which I think has been, which is which is fascinating to watch. In a way, like Honey Boy, it's fascinating to watch the experience of seeing the actor play that out on screen. Now, for me personally, the film itself is 
Um, I think I said this about uh, First Man, which is that it's a minor key movie. It's a it's a movie essentially about small moments. And it's made by a director who I think is really good at big moments. And I'm, you know, like the, the inverse of this film, you don't have to look too far down the Affleck family, uh, family tree to see uh, uh, the sort of inverse of what I'm talking about here is Manchester by the Sea. Ghost story. You know, Shit. No. Okay. <laughs> Very close, very close. But, you know, uh, where Manchester by the Sea is a minor key film, but done in a way that exemplifies what being a minor key film is. This film, because it's kind of wrapped up in this sports metaphor in the world of, like, uh, sports, uh, you know, the sports film, I think ultimately for me kind of felt like it was balancing a tone that didn't quite mesh together. Not to say I didn't think every part of this film was excellent, you know, superbly executed, including Affleck's performance. Well, something has to give if you don't think the movie's excellent. Really? You, you can't say that every element of it was excellent, but you don't think the film is excellent. Yeah, I don't I don't think that the story, the actual effect of what this film put together really landed for So me. there has to be things why that is. I think, and I don't, well, here's the thing, is I think the script is, again, it's a minor key film, and I think uh, someone like Kenneth Lonergan, who directed um, Manchester by the Sea, would play this in a very, play this film in a very, very different way to what we saw on screen. And I think it's just a little bit of a, I don't think Gavin O'Connor does a very, does a bad job in directing this. I don't think the script is actually very bad, and I think, I think Affleck is great. I just think there's a... Uh, for me personally, a little bit of a mismatch in terms of where I think this kind of story can be successful uh, and what this film was. I'll tell you the two points that didn't work for me. Uh, one, I think uh, if you're not careful with a sports movie, it can work as a crutch. Yep. Um, because it's a very easy lattice work to nail your stuff to. Um, and it's because it's something that's immediately understandable by an audience, uh, because even those of us like myself who do not follow sports, uh, you can you you know how it functions. You know, the general it's just in the societal zeitgeist. I, I get it. Right. Um, the other thing that this film. Uh, so, so I always I, I to be honest, and this is a bias I know I have. I always grade uh, sports movies a little bit different. Uh, so honestly, I, kind of on a curve a little bit because I know that I don't particularly like them, so I don't want to like just make that bias be like sort of spill out. Yeah. But one thing I will not stand for, Shahir, is bad dialogue. Hmm. Okay. This film hits a lot of the cardinal sins of poor dialogue. The story is good. In fact, I found myself losing interest and then being brought back in through threads that I didn't even see coming because it lulled me into a false sense of boredom with the dialogue. Give One thing that really irks me in a film is when the main character, usually a man with a one-syllable name, <laughs> has their name dropped multiple times in a conversation past the first 15 minutes. You've, you've mentioned this before, and I think this is an oddly specific... It's um, insane. How many times characters said Jack in this movie? I want to <laughs> go back and count it. I wish I had the time. It was, it was insane. And what gets me is that's not how people speak. We have characters in very real situations that I'm thrown out of because I'm like, they keep just... Call, like, 
we, we've been having a conversation, Shahir, for roughly 38 minutes. I think I've said your name twice. Yeah, but if we were talking about another person, we'd be saying their name. But right? I'm talking about talking to the person. People talking to Jack always say Jack in the sentence. It's <laughs> yeah, I mean, weird. I'm... It's weird. So you're saying this movie doesn't know Jack? <laughs> no, it knows Jack too much. Uh, so it did. It did throw me. Um, I, I will say, I thought it was from a from a filmmaking perspective, from the cinematography and the lighting and the mood that it was giving. It's weird. It had a real Boston vibe, but in LA. <laughs> yeah, I know the the LA sitting. Uh, there was a there was an element of this that I was like, this is this feels somewhat like a Midwest film, but like sit in LA. And I was like, there's an air of convenience about that. But I but to be fair. To be fair, I think Gavin O'Connor has a really good eye for real locations and putting people and making everyone in that environment feel real. I have no problem with that. I, I'm saying I, I, it, 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 that was a thing where like it did not feel odd to me, even though I noticed it. Um, right. I will say this is something weird. But when it started, I knew it was about basketball. I knew it was about alcoholism. But something that really got me that I didn't realize how interested in it I was, was his day job. He worked on on like highway bridges, yeah. And the shots around and there's few of them. There's a, there's very few of them in the film. There's the beginning and a couple others. I was just fascinated about the bridge building. I, I didn't know I knew that this was a thing about me. I was like, I want to research how highways are built because that job, <laughs> for whatever reason. I was like, I'm in it for this. So uh, onlymoviepodcast, gmail.com. Uh, send us in any documentaries you know about bridge building, like large-scale <laughs> sure. bridge building. I'm sure there's a lot. W- were you interested in the fact that he was basically uh, drinking on the job? I mean, that came later. Also, I'm that a sucker. Right at the beginning of the movie. He, that was like the first thing. You, well, you see him in the car drinking. I At first, you take it as he's not drinking while he's working. He's just drinking while he's driving home, and then you realize otherwise. Um <laughs> Also, I will say, shout out to Cutter's Beer. I'm a real <laughs> sucker for fake branded beers in films, and I think Cutter's is a real working man's brew. <laughs> is it? It's it, you know, like you know what I liked about Cutter's Beer is it seemed like an affo- it seemed like uh, affordable, lower, affordable, so you could buy like uh, you know a dozen. Yeah, and this film did something again. I keep saying how it bored me and then pulled me back. It did something really, really interesting. And again. Uh, Overall, the reason I think this film doesn't work is the actual dialogue. But the narrative did something very interesting. After, a, you know, maybe like a third through the film, I still don't really care about Jack and his plight. He was also the best at basketball. Oh, God, everyone loves talking about how the best at basketball Jack was. Jesus right, yeah. Christ. It's like he nothing would. else goes on in these characters' lives. I know, in 95, 96, you're telling me this kid from L.A. was the best basketball player anyone's ever seen and everyone from his like parish principal to like everyone at his local watering hole to like three 13 different kids parents like all know him back from 96 that that's what kind of why i think this plays better as like a smaller town movie yeah than it does in la like there's something about like la 96 basketball player you're telling me this guy was the guy but here's the deal so i didn't care i was like okay cool movie great like you're doing a lot of technical things right, what the fuck ever. But then when the like, oh, and his ex-wife had left him because he's an alcoholic. Meh, meh, meh. But that's, here's the deal. Not, here's, not, there's more to that. Well, here's the deal. Than, that's my point. Yeah. The movie yeah. lulled me into a false sense of, I guess, ill security. And then when it when you realize that these that this character, who again I do have to state, 
is presented to you in a very pedantic dialogue way for the things I've just listed is actually the entirety of the character in the narrative is deep as fuck. Like that the, you find out about and you find out in a slow burn. I guess we're into sort of spoilers now, but you find out that the reason that they uh, broke up and he's, he's, his wife left him a year ago is not because of the alcoholism. It's because they had a child who passed away and he did not deal with it, uh, I'll say, well. And they split apart because of it and he started drinking because of it. And you're told this through them having to go to various social obligations not connected with basketball uh, with families of – like families of uh, their kids – their their kids' friends who are going through uh, – they lost them to cancer. So the, uh, a friend of this kid's uh, is, is also going through cancer. So they're like friends with the parents and going to birthday parties and stuff. And those moments are what always tethered me back and pulled me in. They, they found my way back to this film because I – those – fucking worked the second it wasn't about jack and basketball and it was about how families deal with this this tragedy and and the and the and the pitfalls and the terrors and the and the nightmare fuel that can become a person's life after something like this that's what got me um and and i think that's that's the kind of thing where i think a film like manchester by the sea really figures out how to play because i think the mechanics of like basketball in this film you know even though they do kind of an interesting thing where they don't show as many of the games they just show you the final score i like that i i kind of like that um you realize very quickly that i think hmm, i think the issue here is that you know in in the best sports movies the actual sport is only a metaphor for what the characters are going through right it's it's a representation of like what they're achieving. It doesn't really matter what the sport is. You know, it should be a, it's just a, a function of, of what the, the character's journey is. And in this one, that is true, but there, the, the way in which basketball operates for this character feels, you know, in many ways, the, the things that happened to him would have happened to him had he not become a basketball coach in this movie. You know, like, like he is, his, sure. His recovery and then and then relapse would have just happened in some other form. Um, and so what the film does with basketball doesn't really resonate with the character other than, you know, the final moment where he finally picks up the basketball again for the first time. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, like to me, the, there's a sort of um, I remember a little bit of the criticisms around Goodwill Hunting um, and and, he, and and many films like this that deal with uh, addiction, alcoholism, you know, any kind of plight like that that a certain central character is going through is trying to pinpoint exactly how a person got there. And it's like in, in many ways, even though this film is very good at I, I actually don't have a problem with the dialogue in this film. I think it's actually written pretty well and I think it's actually played pretty well. Um, but But the thing that kind of is interesting is the way in which the film is kind of giving you deep pinpoints to give you a roadmap to how he became an alcoholic. And, and in a way that kind of mitigates, I think the complexity of like why we think this character is interesting. And it's like, you know, like I, I think in, you know, again, I'm going to use Manchester by the sea as an example, but I think leaving Las Vegas is a re- another great example. The Nicholas Cage film mm-hmm. um, is uh, the Mike Figgis film starring Nicholas Cage um, is that, is that, the in the more interesting thing is not necessarily figuring out how this person got to this point, but seeing this person deal with where they're at, regardless of how they got to this point. And and I think the film is really operating more on a level of 
now you know how he got to this point. That's the end of the movie. You know what I mean? Like that, it kind of gets to that point, and then that's the movie. Sure. It's it's not really uh, okay. Now what kind of thing? It's it's and that's what makes that that final act of it, while sort of structurally interesting because it's defying the idea of what we think a sports movie is going to do. Ultimately, his redemption isn't through the sport. It's just through him entering rehab. But there's just a little bit of a uh, a mismatch here of of what this film wants to do and what I think it is actually doing. And I think it actually, uh, I'm going to try to stretch this metaphor and I don't know if it's going to work. I think when it doesn't work for me is when it's dealing in platitudes. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of platitudes, like it, it's funny. It, and I guess maybe this is why sports only connects with me like 50% of the time. But there was a platitude like, you got to play like you got a chip on your shoulder. And I'm like, right. cool. But when there's structural plans, like when the movie reveals what's happening with his family or even when he's telling the team, like actually doing some coaching, he goes, small things, chip away, constant pressure, diamond. Like he's, he's, he's like, he's describing almost his own way back through basketball, knowing that the team itself is not the strongest or the best or the smartest, but they can play the hardest and the longest. And if they yeah. do that and they stick with the long game, they will eventually be successful. Much I like, like that. I- I like his line, I will not uh, coach a team that will be out-toughed. I think that was a great line. Well, so that's an interesting line because, and again, coaches often ride this line. That, in my opinion, you know, it's a it's a good sentiment, but he did it for the wrong reasons. There's a lot of complexities in that. How do, how do you mean? Like in the film or in, in, in The character in the film, in the story. He was still real harsh at that point uh, mm-hmm. and not sort of... Uh, it's weird. At that moment, I liked what he was saying, but not how or why he was saying it. Again, character-wise, not because because at that point he was just getting pissed that they were getting beaten, so he yelled at his kids to to foul basically. Yeah, um, and, and that to be honest, like I played college, I played high school and college basketball, and getting angry on the court is uh, a useful tactic. And, and the best coaches I've had have instilled that in me. But as they've well. had they've had more than that. That's the first bit of coaching that that we see him do, and you're like, oh, right. this guy's just gonna fly off the handle. And that's the the yeah. feeling that's trying. Listen, if that was in the repertoire uh, two thirds through the film, I would be singing a different tune. But that's kind of the first thing we see. So you're like, oh fuck. And it, it well, it's effective. It's effective in getting you to question where he is, but it's yeah. not effective in getting you to think he's good at what he does. Yeah, I I think that question of whether he's he's actually a good coach. Uh, is one that I was like asking all the time, and like there's a thing, uh, I, you know, again because I played basketball, you know when someone hasn't played basketball as soon as they put they as soon as they put the ball down on the ground, and and I'm not I I don't know if Ben Affleck's played basketball or not, but there was a, like a little bit of an awkwardness in the way he was handling the ball, but I think to its credit that's kind of the point of the movie. And I think, you know, like this was a movie where he, you know, he took it and was like, you don't have to train to be a basketball player in order to play this movie. Remember when we did our, um, our uh, discussion uh, uh, with, um, with Ryan Koo on the film uh, Amateur, which he directed, which, you know, he was like, there's a real difference with an actor who's played basketball versus a basketball player who can, who can act. Um, And so there was a, you know, like whenever, Affleck was kind of handling the ball. Uh, I was kind of like, hmm, I'm, I'm not. I you know, maybe it's just the way it's framed, but I'm not sure he's playing ball. I'm sure the dude could probably dunk on me to be on, to to be fair. I'm just saying, like, it, there's a thing you notice when you've played basketball about like when someone's played basketball and when someone hasn't. Okay, I want and you it to didn't take, look like it. Take that. <laughs> it feeling. didn't look like it. Take yeah. that feeling. 
and how someone who you know has touched a basketball and played basketball and you're watching it, it's like, this is kind of like a dog walking on its hind legs. That's how I felt about the dialogue. <laughs> right. In that, in that you've spoken to human beings and you're like, this is not how this human beings This is not speak. how human beings talk or remember things. Huh, that's so strange. I, I, you gotta have to like. It give felt me like a script read. Some really specifics, because I, I, nothing about the way these characters were speaking to each other rang untrue for me. No other character in this film name drops the character that they are talking to, except for people when they're talking to Jack. It's in. It's, it's such a specific thing that you you've brought this up many many times, and, and I, I will say, keep I, bringing it up. It is bad yeah. film writing. The narrative huh. is great. I really like this narrative. And this movie did a lot. It was a it was a roller coaster of enjoyment and it, it helped me hang on in various points. Mm. Um by the way, I just want to shout out just quickly Al Madrigal, who plays the So good. Coach. So good. He's a you know, like uh, he was on the Daily Show. But I just I, he's he's got this persona that I just I, I just like seeing him on screen and I like I, it's funny because he's a comedian, so he's often very funny. But he's playing this like as the dweeby guy, and it's it's strange. But I just I think there's just a lot of potential for him as an actor. Also, um, uh, one of my favorite actresses, Janina Gavinkar, uh, is oh, she's she was great in this. Not given a ton to do, but working real damn hard with it. And yeah. I've loved her since uh, honestly True Blood, but I've really liked everything she's been in since. She's in the morning show, right? She's on. Uh, she's on the morning show. I think it is the Apple TV show with Steve Carell. Uh yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. She's got a you know again that really thankless role of just sitting there and kind of being a sounding board for Affleck's woes. Uh, you know, like, but I guess in the, in the story of the world, she has moved on, um, and he hasn't, and she's aware of it. So I think there's there's a little bit of a, a, a sort of a nice sensitivity to the fact, like I this. Look, I'll say a lot of this film really did work for me. The scene where she sits down to him uh, with him for lunch and says, I've been with someone and and it's a real shock to him did, I think, you know, play the kind of, you know, just the fact that he was he's been drinking himself away, but not been moving on from this relationship. And this idea that she has moved on and has been in a relation for a while hits him like a ton of bricks. Oh, and he, you knew. You knew yeah. it was coming because when they were getting into a little bit of the argument and the, wait, the waiter came over and she's like, actually, we need a minute. And I was like, oh, yeah. shit, she's going to drop some knowledge. Yeah, yeah, no, but I, I, I think she does have a thank, you know, sort of that thankless female role in this world, which is that, you know, she yeah. has to basically be the sounding board for this, this character. This movie did not do a lot of good, great things for women. Uh, the other, it's, the only it, other woman is uh, M- Michaela uh, Watkins, I believe, who played his sister, sister Beth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's look. You have you have the forgiving ex lover, or you have yeah. the shrill sister that comes around, uh, and yeah. those are kind of tropey. I. Yeah, I think it's I think it's uh again, it's something that Gavin O'Connor did in Warrior, but and Warrior is filled to the brim with cliche. I think if the dialogue in this kind of irked you, the dialogue in Warrior is gonna <laughs> just throw you off the rails. Nick Nolte is quoting uh, Moby Dick in that movie for some reason Listen, as like a drunken rampage. As long as uh, they're not like Ahab this, Ahab that, Ahab this, uh, oh hi Ahab, Ahab, are you okay? Ahab, you were great at basketball in nineteen ninety six, Ahab. I I I don't see the thing that you're talking about, uh, so I will reserve judgment on that. But the fact there is a there is a I will a Venmo someone wa- a dollar. I'm sorry to interrupt. I will Venmo someone a dollar if you count how many times in this movie 
people say Jack's name to Jack's I, face. I just have never found that to be specific, uh, to be a specific critique, because there's a number of reasons why you would say someone's name in a real conversation. But there's a million reasons why you don't, and it's a reason why every sentence that we're talking, I don't start with Shahir. Like, it just doesn't, it's not a natural cadence of speech, at least in common American vernacular, in English, mm. American English. It's never struck me as being problematic until it's until it's bad, and this is not one of those cases that I thought was bad. Oh, I, I did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but but regardless, I you know it's it's just that tricky balance, which is that I like the filmmaker, I like the way this film was put together, I like what this film is trying to do. I like you know in many ways that thing that I, we the conversation that we had around Honey Boy was the the differentiation between the catharsis of the performer performing the role versus the audience watching the performer uh, receive that role. And this is a this is a similar uh, example for me, which is that I think Affleck as a performer is really you know not only bringing something to the role obviously he's talked a lot in public about how he's a recovering alcoholic and and he wanted to do this role because of that um but also because the the role is allowing him to sort of expound you know like find a, a deep well of honesty within himself and i think he brings that up to the screen yeah like it you know like unlike most affleck performances which i often find you know pretty much work sort of on the surface but not much below that um i think this is a performance that you know d that um, that delivers the idea that there is a deep inner life to this character that is being worked through and that we can kind of see and feel yeah. through only a few words. But whether that catharsis that I see with him doing the role translates to me having a catharsis for seeing the movie, I'm not 100% certain on. I'm just very, same... I'm interested on why that is because you, you have a lot of praise yeah, I do have a lot of praise because I think it's a well-made movie. Sure, and I think it's a well-constructed movie. So, and I, but but I, I think I've I've said it already, which is that I think there's a mismatch between what the audience gets out of this film versus what Ben Affleck, the actor, gets out of doing this film. And I think the problem there is that there's a mismatch between the way in which this film operates as a sports movie versus the way it operates as a recovery movie. So structurally, the, maybe the weaknesses. Uh, I I mean I think. From a script writing point of view, it's a structure. Yeah, it is a structure thing. But I think it's it's ultimately it's sort of a, more of a an overall unifying idea about what this film wants to say about recovery, about this character. I think it gets you to the point of of you know like recovery is important, and you know like his character says, I should have been here a long time ago. It's the point at which he picks up the basketball again. It's the point at which he kind of you know like the the whole sort of arc of the movie is that I never picked up a basketball after after college, and at the end of the movie he picks up a basketball and plays for a little bit and just kind of enjoys the game. Um, but I think that that sentiment isn't echoed clearly enough for me personally or resonated enough through the way in which the story is dealing in those two different strands, basketball and recovery. I think the recovery story is really good. I think the basketball story is really good. I'm not sure together they're, they're, really, they're more than the sum of their parts. Yeah, there's no real connection between them, right? Like, I think the recovery story is really good. I think the, the basketball story is fine. The basketball story is a stock sports movie basketball story. Yeah. There's I, nothing I, in it that that shines brighter because of the recovery story. Yeah. Um so if you like sports coaching victory stories, yeah, I mean well, this this movie does that. 
Well, but it does it does do one interesting thing there, which is that it undercuts the idea that catharsis will come through the through the basketball game. Like ultimately, the third act is him being removed from that situation and not really dealing with it at all. It it kind of dances around that though, because then we have this real forced line like we're gonna do this for coach. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. that's that's where the film doesn't work. And 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 to be honest with you. That's where Warrior as a counterpoint really does work because Warrior, you know, like, again, I will say this wholeheartedly, a film riddled with every possible sports cliche in the book, um, but but manages to make it resonate and work well within the confines of what of how the sports film work, which is ultimately that's a film about two brothers that have been separated that are forced to confront each other and they do it through MMA fighting. And that sounds terrible. That sounds terrible saying it out loud. It probably sounded terrible on paper. That movie was also funded by the MMA in order to kind of like promote the sport. So it's actually like a, ultimately like a promotional vehicle for the MMA. But damn, if that movie doesn't actually bring a tear to my eye every single time. And the the final frames of that movie are some of the most heartfelt resonance moments that I've ever seen. And so Gavin O'Connor is good at this you know miracles another film which you know oh, i yeah. think yeah you know fantastic you know he, he he knows what the confines of a sports movie are and he delivers them every time he's got a great eye he's got a gr- and and he's got a great eye for casting he's got a really great eye for like making like what i like about this film is that every character in this film feels like they have a real life outside like even yes. even the guy whose house Affleck like accidentally walks in on feels like a real person 100%. who has a real life. I know? will even give credit because again, another thing that this this movie kept trying to buck me, but then like gluing me to the seat and I didn't realize it before they glued it. Um the 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 character, I think it was one of the kids who was the 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 Romeo of the group, Kenny, maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> he kept you know hitting on the girls. Then there was the same three cheerleaders in the be- in the bleachers every time. I'm like, do these cheerleaders do nothing else? I'm like Anyway, that, I was like, "That's a good example of not doing great roles to women." I know, way. but and then, but the, but the interesting thing to it here was, uh, even though the 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 plot point around it was trite, they even went back and like in the context of this specific sports part of a movie, like gave him a comeuppance based on him trying to be a playboy, and these 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 women who otherwise were like props for a joke actually got like a shred of something to say and do like with when they basically made him run the laps in front of the team like coach let let them decide the the punishment uh there's a lot of small moments in this movie that do pay off with character driven development um again i think that's a credit to its uh, its overall narrative but it does feel like there's two movies sort of playing out here and not really uh other than i think my connection with the way he coaches and tries the the, the specific style he tells the team to fight with the slow and steady chip away uh you know perseverance is your strength uh, I think is kind of the thing that you could somewhat tie into him eventually realizing he had to do with himself and his own life, the character of Jack. Um, but other than that, they're very disparate. And uh, again, addiction story, really strong. Sports yeah. story, definitely a sports story. Um, and, and, and so I, that's that. I mean, that, that's sort of my final thought on this thing. If you, if yeah. If any of this sounds interesting to you, 
it's definitely worth a look. Um, it, yeah. If 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 either any of my pet peeves or even the fact that Shahir has has said that like a lot of it's great doesn't really resonate. Like it, I, I I think at this climate there's other movies you could spend some money and some time on, but that's not to say that there's not some great stuff here. And especially not if you're invested in, for some reason, I don't know why I'm invested in Affleck's career, but I think it's just because, I, you know, like, again, it just comes down to Goodwill Hunting. It's because you think you can beat him in basketball. I do think Ben Affleck. Listen, straight up. No, he's he's definitely. I, look, I I think I'm. I think I got I got height on him, but I don't. I definitely don't have a size advantage. Here's the deal. Yeah, Affleck, he's been working out. Affleck only movie podcast gmail.com. Email us in. We'll set up a one on one once this self quarantine is over. Heck, I'll even settle for a listener making a fake email address and sending in a fake message from Ben Affleck saying that he wants to challenge Shahir Dowd to one on one basketball because he heard uh, the native New Zealander uh, basically. Was talking some shit. Was talking some shit. Yeah, talking smack. And I would, uh, yeah, no, uh, let's do that. Let's do that. I, I would be in for that. Um, I, you know, look, I think Affleck has had a really interesting career. The thing we haven't really touched upon here is uh, is his directing career. You know, like, I think um, uh, Gone Girl is, uh, no, sorry, not Gone Girl, Gone Baby Gone is, is uh, I think, to me, the highlight of his career in terms of, like, what he is capable of. And, you know, I, I mean, like, we're, we're even forgetting the fact that he made a movie that came out a year before this that tanked completely. This is the guy who directed the best picture-winning you know, Oscar movie, and then his follow-up movie, barely anyone saw. Do you, could you even name the film or even nope. know what it is? It's called They Live by Night. It's a 1920s Prohibition gangster movie oh, yeah. that he stars in again. Nobody saw it, made no business, did nothing. The guy who won for Argo, nobody saw his his follow-up movie. And I think the interesting thing here is that the the Affleck, the actor, and Affleck, the director, have kind of parted ways. And I think this is maybe the time for Affleck, the actor, to come back in. He's he's in three movies that came out this year: uh, Triple Frontier, the uh, and then the D. Reese film, which I haven't seen. Um, I, I forget the title. It's got. Um, uh, uh, ooh, I've gone blank on her name as well. Um, uh, Oscar winner for Les Miserables, uh, and Anne Hathaway, and, Princess, and it's got Anne Hathaway in it. Yeah, why did I go blank on that? Catwoman, uh, yeah, Catwoman is in it. Um, that nobody saw Triple Frontier, nobody saw. Um, but I think you know, like watching this film, I was like, I'm struck by the way that how Batman for this guy really, I think. And I don't want to put, you know, but it seemed like a miserable experience for him. Like, you know, he was all set to, you know, to continue the character on and direct the next Batman movie. Uh, and then just kind of, you know, I, I you know, and, and I remember when he uh, when he took the role as Batman, he said that he wanted to do it because he wanted to watch Zack Snyder work. And he wanted to know what it was like to to do a movie of that scale because he hadn't made a movie of that scale. So this is a person who kind of like saw that as an opportunity and I think had a terrible time. Like just the worst possible time, and you know, may have spiraled off his alcoholism into something worse. He, like if you watch Justice League, he is just not there in that movie. Like he is checked out of that movie yeah. hard. Um, and so, what I like about this movie is that this is personal. It's honest. It's real. You know, like you you couldn't sell a bit of marketing. You know, uh, a marketing arc for this movie. It's like the Ben Affleck. It's the second time redemption for him. Um, and you know, like it's it's his most honest and raw performance dealing with the things he's dealing with. I just think that the movie itself doesn't necessarily live up to what he's doing in the movie. 
and is a, a sort of a tonal mishmash between sports movie and recovery movie. And that's slightly unfortunate, but there's a lot in this that I kind of like and a lot that I kind of wish was in a better movie, wish was in a movie that resonated more for me. Um, so, yeah, take that for what you will. Well, there you go. This has been the only podcast about the film The Way Back. Shahir, when you are not dropping rocks from the three-point line and really taking it to the hole and other <laughs> sports analogies that I am butchering, where can folks yeah. find you? Because uh, I was a sinner, so I was never shooting threes. I was exactly like that character at the beginning of the film when they were like, the reason they're giving you threes is because they could, they don't think you could find the the, the bucket from anywhere. Uh, that was me, by the way. I was a sinner, so I never played outside in the three-point Hear that, but Ben? He's scared. Me. He's scared. What's that? Ben, I'm telling Ben that you're scared now. <laughs> oh, I'm, yeah, I, you know, he worked. Dude, you want me to play basketball against Batman? and see how this works out yes <laughs> you can see me shooting hoops and missing threes on my website at www.shahirdaud.com that's s-h-a-h-i-r-d-a-u-d.com matt when you are being the best uh uh basketball announcer on the court of a one-on-one game between me and ben affleck where can people find you you can find me do 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 at my website, y'all ready for this? Uh, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com for my life and works. Also, Skeletor, the number four, P-R-E-Z on Instagram or PSN. Friend me, I want to play games. And also Emperor MSK on the Twitter box. Also, check out the good works we're doing over at Extra Credits. Um, by the time this drops, uh, we'll have our April Fool's episode out. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what we- shit. We're gonna we're gonna have to start thinking about like I, I mean I'm I'm glad that movies are being released on VOD that we can see now like again this movie was just in the theater just recently um, I I think I am keen to do the Lord of the Rings trilogy um, that would be great I just don't know when I'll have the time we'll to figure do it out and we'll put a, fig- we'll put up another poll for next yeah. week because I love again thank you so much yeah. everyone who listens uh, for doing the work for us. Only movie pod. If you haven't ever, if you listen and you haven't voted on the poll, even if you don't do Twitter, just make a quick Twitter just to do the poll. Because I, I, I really like it. I watch it over the twenty-four hour period that Shahir keeps it up, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I actively follow it through my day, and I get excited. <laughs> what, what, what were you? Because we had uh, the Hunt, Onward, and Just Mercy. I voted for list. the way back. You voted for the way back. I voted okay. for the way back. Uh, I'm I'm kind of interested to do Onward. I oddly the Hunt, the film that Donald Trump managed to like pull from theatrical release, which is now kind of barely making a whimper, is a film I'm actually not that invested in seeing. But I'm kind of I'm only invested in seeing it in that com in the sure. context of the conversation that we had about. It. I still want to see Sonic, and that did just come out on VOD. Yeah. Uh, I, I I maybe we put that as a dark horse. I look. My son is obsessed with Sonic the Hedgehog, but only in the context. And I think I asked this question last week, which was who would win in a race between Sonic and the Flash. And he's very, he's very invested. He was, his mind was blown when I showed him a little animation of Sonic. He didn't realize that Sonic could roll up into a ball. Oh wow! And that, that changed the math for him entirely. Well, so what's he, he think like, now? Well, I don't know. He was, he, he, he's strange like that. Actually, he was like he. He's not good at math because he's four years old, uh, and he, he seems to hate counting numbers, but he was doing mental gymnastics to go, well, if he's a ball, he can bounce higher, which means he could get for more trajectory uh, on a single bounce like than it. the Flash could on a run. So in, a, in essence, he was kind of like, I think because he's a ball, he would bounce further. He was doing the Goodwill hunting basketball math. 
the the Goodwill Hunting basketball match. What was the Goodwill Hunting basketball? I just match? made it up. It's literally what your son just did because he's talking about <laughs> okay. bouncing a ball at a trajectory. Okay, so he's doing math, <laughs> and all math is Goodwill Hunting. Yes. <laughs> It's late. Leave me alone. It's time to go. I think, uh, P.S., uh, The Flash would win. Um, okay. Yeah. E- next week, you're deciding. We're going to figure it out. You're deciding, all of you. Thank you so much for listening. Please stay safe. Uh, wash your hands. All that good business. Also, uh, the last thing I'll say, in these trying times, leave us a review on iTunes. Because <laughs> it else, matters. What else Apparently, are we all doing? Yeah. Other than, of course, Cody, who is a uh, essential worker but everyone else just get on there smash some stars our way or just tell a friend and then tell us that you told a friend and then we'll tell everybody else that you told a friend when we asked you to tell them about us telling you to tell them what it sounds like is you're very lonely and you just want to talk to people i mean zoe my cat (laughs) is a great conversationalist but uh i think she's got two modes of pet me or feed me so (laughs) Uh, we will find our way back next week. Can I come back? I had to do it. I'm gonna be the